This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve cover 2010's The Ghost Rider, a book adaptation directed by the controversial figure Roman Polanski and which stars Ewan McGregor, Pierce Brosnan, and Olivia Williams. Between all the political intrigue, deception, manipulation, war crimes, and paranoia, this underseen gem will keep you busy. Join us as we discuss equilibrium shifting vortices, New York Mayor Eric Adams and why he should do less interviews, address the obligatory confusion between this flick, the Nick Cage Ghost Rider, as well as the early 90s PBS kids show Ghost Rider, and because we recorded this a little in advance, we'll finish off with a few favorite classic and deep cut holiday flick recommendations as we skate right on by the season into the new year. The Porpoises, Midnight Companions, and Keen Observers guided this time by Obi-Wan himself, are once again beckoned to follow a mystery wrapped in an enigma, all while we try not to get in over our blowholes. May the Fasina be with us. He's a ghost, and he writes to us. Ghost Rider. Let's wax this autobiographical porpoise. Yeah, it's crazy how, like, creams and stuff can just, like, enter the skin, like, transdermally and, like, have an effect, like a conscious effect. It seems like a weird mechanism. Although I know, too, like, the ears have their own fucking weird kind of environment going on, like like how, uh, like, sounds and, like, the way that shit echoes off your brain and through your ear canal can, like, like fuck with your equilibrium and and yeah. like other governing processes i don't know if i ever told you this but uh you know those like mystery spots you see them once yeah. in a while i think there's there's one in santa cruz mm-hmm. there's one in like oregon i think but and then i've seen others like there's one in michigan but it's not like you know the mystery spot tm it's like it was something else but it's the same kind of premise like geomagnetic natural anomalies or geographical whatever. oddity yeah <laughs> two weeks away from everywhere yeah when we first went on like the dude was like yeah this place sometimes it can fuck with people's equilibrium and whatnot and like you might feel like slightly nauseous for the rest of the day or whatever and you get in there and it has all these weird like they t- take a pool ball that's like tilted on this fucking crazy axis piece of wood at like a 37 degree angle and you roll it up Mm-hmm. like this impossible and it rolls up and it keeps its momentum. And then like, there's like the log where they, they, they're, they're like, give me like eight people and like, you know, of varying heights. And then they align people shortest to tallest. Mm-hmm. And then they put them up on this log and, and they're like, yep. Okay. Clearly shortest person, tallest person. Then they have them reverse order. So where the shortest person is now standing where the tallest person was. And then now that shortest person, this woman who's five, three appears taller than this dude. Who's like six, four, who's now at the other end. And it fucks you up because it's like right in front of you, you know, yeah. there's like no smoke and mirrors. It's like, dude, what's going like the incline of the hill you're on, whatever. But dude, I shit you not like 30 minutes into this one hour guided tour. And I started getting like, weird like seasickness like 
like bubble guts, like this vertigo kind of feeling. And I was like, fuck, this is lame. Immediately after that, we went to, we were at Santa Cruz, we went to the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk and we went on the fucking main, the big wooden coaster that fucking jerks you around like crazy. And dude, I tossed my, dude, I tossed my cookies on that thing. That vertigo stuck with me and that ride, like it was like adding orange juice to a dose of mushrooms or something. Like it just potentiated intensify. Oh yeah, dude, I was fucked for like two days. And now ever, ever since that point, I swear to God, it's like a, uh, it's like a black and white line ever since that point, any kind of motion or like crazy outside of being in a car makes me feel weird. Like I go to Disney, go to like on certain rides, it like fucks my equilibrium and like even taking off in a plane from the time where you start ascending and you're fucking pulling back all that whole stretch from that until you get to cruising altitude. I'm like, dude, I'm going to throw up everywhere. I start sweating, getting hot. Yeah. Really, I wonder if it like fucking burst something in my cochlear passageway or some shit, and it's just like fucked with me ever since. But yeah, long way of saying mystery spot. I mean, it's a gamble, man. I thought I was pretty impervious to that kind of those kinds of things. Even seasickness, I get over pretty quickly. And dude, yeah, it did a did a real number on me. But there was a lot of weird shit too, like trees growing like fucking sideways and curling and doing all kinds of like weird stuff like it's kind of hard like the sales pitch they have with those guided tours they they really like they're tapping into like that part of your mind that wants to believe in kooky like unsolved mystery funky shit but fuck i wonder yeah i'd like to go to one of those places and then really like take a deep dive on what the fuck is going on because there's got to be some kind of explanation it there's kind of shades of that when we went over Mount Shasta a little bit. It it kind of harkened to like what their whole sales pitch was for the mystery spot. But like, kind of one of the things too that we just touched on that I didn't do any background on was like the what was it like iron like the anomalous like readings near Mount Shasta of like the accumulation of iron ore or some some type of like natural feature. Yeah. I wonder if that's due to, I wonder if there's like some magnetic ties to that. Cause the whole thing at mystery spot, there was like, it's magnetic. There's these like concentrations of magnetic uh, shit going on in this region of, of this area. That's why the mystery spots here, people noticed it in the old days, like shit would do weird stuff when they came to this part of the fucking, this side of the Creek and then they mapped it out. So, but hmm. Yeah, yeah I've I don't never know been. enough about it. I've never been. Definitely sounds interesting, though. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really weird. Also, cool. Well, I'm glad your cat's feeling better. It sounds like it's just uh, yes. a foregone conclusion. Just waiting for the the ink to dry to give you the thumbs up. Very expensive little fat. So. <laughs> All right, before we get into this episode proper, I, ha- I I will restrain myself to one clip that I found that really tickled me and that I thought you'd get a big kick out of. Uh, From this well. movie? No, this is mm-hmm. totally unrelated. Um, how f- I'll, I'll ask this, though. How familiar, familiar are you with the current mayor of New York? Uh, Eric Adams? Yes. Um, probably slightly more familiar than most but not like as much as probably a, a new york new yorker 
like for the good or, what what have you heard about him good or bad incompetent um kind of a, a mix of everything like i feel like at first people liked him more and then i think more recently i kind of get like a wackier vibe from him yeah i don't know much about him but this clip is definitely very wacky and if this is like a slice into him as a person it's like yikes man yeah without further ado so this guy stumbled upon his name's he's this uh i think he's he's involved with like audio production like he he knows some of the industry stuff and he's like a creative type person and he started ostensibly a podcast and he uploads clips every once in a while they're pretty funny um looking at him on paper i should hate this guy it kind of looks like if that remember that uh, meme the scumbag steve oh yeah kind of looks like a variant of him if he got older and started a podcast and be, tried to become an influencer but uh <laughs> everything that he points out like slice of life stuff and makes fun of is really funny and it's pretty dry and i thought it might be up your alley and this was kind of like a fun introduction to what's his name eric adams yeah a current mayor of new york so here we go eric adams mayor of new york somehow said this this week when you look at the totality of the year if you had to describe it and it's tough to do in one word what would that word be <laughs> and tell me why uh, new york uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a, a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city. And that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. What? First of all, New York. That's two words. You could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. What kind of fucking answer is this, dude? Bro, use 9-11 as a marketing campaign. Nah, man, every day you wake up, look out your window, and you could potentially witness the most traumatic moment in the history of our nation. New York. You could get bombed on the subway. Or you could experience your friend opening a new pizza parlor. Flip a coin. Heads? You open a small business. Tail? An act of terrorism kills 3,000 people. The news anchor threw him a softball question, and instead of just hitting <laughs> a single, he threw the fucking baseball bat into the crowd and killed a small child. Wow. Yeah, that was a horrifically <laughs> bad answer from beginning to end. <laughs> it struck me in, like, three different ways, one of which is the one he pointed New York is two words, but mm -hmm. uh, outside of the, the lowest hanging fruit – he says, pick a word to describe how this past year's gone and what we've gone through. And yeah. it's just like, he, he just turns into robot sales pitch my city mode, New York. Like, and then he taught the things that he says about New York that has nothing related back to like how this last year has gone. Like he's, he just went into robot mode. Like this is the greatest city. It's like, it's <laughs> no way related to what was fucking ass. But yeah. And then the, the cherry on all of it is, dropping like offhandedly the 911 <laughs> it's like a, a when you hear like you hear politicians are famous for just their non-answer word salad jumbled response this is like if that machine got broken you know if if you hear it like most famously at least in my <laughs> point of view is uh california's governor newsom who you could ask him anything 
and he'll just turn it into like a, a rambling diatribe about nothing with just words about you know all of the all of the greatest hits yeah and he won't actually answer the question but this this guy sounds like if that tickle me elmo yeah <laughs> got dunked in water and just short-circuited oh fuck I mean, you could go. You could go get yourself a slice of pizza, or you could be a victim of the Son of Sam. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. You go see the Statue of Liberty. You could jump, go jump over Niagara Falls. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that one fucking got me. I gotta do this one just on principle. Don't you talk? Fucking Shaq just getting wrapped into a twenty-five foot tall Christmas tree by Kenny Smith. Ah, uh, okay. Def- that was definitely more of a visual. <laughs> yeah, that was just for us. Um, yeah, I guess he's done that multiple times to him too. He just gets that fucking low man wins fucking leverage. Dude, they yeah, must the power necessary in your in your hips to hip check a guy who's eleven feet tall. Yeah, into a Christmas tree. Although, if you art of war it and use all that against him, like if uh, you like the way he caught him on like the <laughs> on the step coming up, and if you get like under the fucking like the liver, big what do they tree. call that? What do they call that boxing punch? I can't remember. It's like a uh, big tree fall hard. What is it? Is it called like a shovel? I can't. Miles is probably fucking wringing his hands right now. It's a it's a variant of an uppercut where you go for like it's like a body uppercut, but they call it something fun where you like dig up like right in the fucking liver. My liver. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into it here. Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. We are back again. Episode 83 this time. And tonight we are covering the Ghost Writer from 2010. Uh, starring Ewan McGregor, uh, Pierce Brosnan, Olivia Williams. Um, not to be confused with the Nick Cage classic Ghost Rider. Nor the semi-famous early to mid-90s. PBS kid show Ghost Rider, which was a fucking banger. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you watched that. Oh yeah, that was a great show. I think, I think we've discussed that in the past, like how hard and how like haphazard it was on TV, and like how to find it. And like I remember pouring through TV guides at a young age at like my grandparents because they they always had a guide. Uh-huh. I remember ha- like peering through like where the fuck's Ghost Rider, and it would be on at really weird times, like one fifty five or on a Tuesday and shit like that. Like yeah. My grandma, my grandma had a, a pretty big cable package. So when I would go over there, we would watch like match game 75, you know? <laughs> and then I remember ghost rider would be on like noggin or some non-existent actual network. And I, even as a kid, I was watching it. Like <laughs> this show is 20 years old, at least where the fuck did this air? Like, I don't, I don't think they ran the PBS commercials obviously so yeah it always it, it was always perplexing like where where did this show come from this isn't a noggin tv show from 20 years in the in the past but yeah yeah that show was awesome and Super i did dope. see one funny piece of trivia that uh nick cage who was in ghost writer mm-hmm. i think two years before this movie came out 
was in the running for Ewan McGregor's role in this and really? Ghost Rider, which would have been just oh, endlessly God. confusing. <laughs> yeah, that would, how fun would that have been? No, Ghost Ghost Rider, 2010. Right. Yeah, I'm glad they went with Ewan McGregor because I, I like him a lot and I like him in this role too. And I, I don't know how Nick Cage would have played in it. I feel like it would have, by virtue of him in it, it would have had to be a, a different movie. Yeah. But the idea of Tom, <clears throat> or uh, excuse me, Nick Cage and Roman Polanski in a flick sounds fucking just wild on its face. Right. Um, did I tell you that? I, I think I led with that, that this was a Polanski film, Pierce Brosnan, yes. Ewan McGregor. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, probably not, uh, The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp. I haven't. It's a lot of fun. Also directed by Polanski. Has similar vibes uh, as this. Uh, in that one, Johnny Depp plays like a a rare book dealer. Like he's kind of like a PI for like rare ass books. And he comes across this dude who's like trying to like summon the actual devil. Oh, and there's fun. these like these real archaic, like famed rare ass fucking books that were supposedly penned by the devil himself, or at least two of like the eight eight or nine books he has to get, whatever it is. <clears throat> so it's like him tr trying to track down all these books and like fucking hijinks, kooky, like kind of scary, supernatural with the religious bent shit starts happening to him. Um, that's a lot. Of, it's, it feels like a very, it's a very uh, Polanski type film. Um, so it's got, it's got some red herrings and s some fun reveals and backstabbings and intrigue, but uh yeah, as a reference point, anybody that because I know this one, Ghost Rider, flies really far under the radar. Um, that's that's probably the, one of the closer analogs I can think of. Is if you've seen the Ninth Gate, you'll dig this one. But uh, as usual, you got myself, Jim G. Baby. They forgot I'm him. I'm the himulation. I got my DNA test back. Turns out I'm a hundred percent Himalayan. And of course, as usual, we have the usual suspect, Steve. Balled so hard they thought I was a fucking nutsack. How's it going, man? Doing good. Happy New Year, I guess, as you hear this. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> our last one, which we'll have our last two episodes will kind of be on a, a different release schedule. But our last one, we, we failed to uh, say Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night so uh here it is again and yeah by the time you hear this it'll be 2024 hope you all had a safe and happy new year christmas um good luck in this in the future for this year i think 2024 is going to be wild just yeah just with the election and everything it's going to be a goat rodeo yeah, with everything that's carrying over from 23 into 24, and then what's on the horizon. And then have you seen all this shit about these billionaires uh, building underground compounds that are supposed to, that are all going to, that are all kind of lining up to be completed before winter of 2024? Doesn't surprise me. I mean, the people with the most amount of money are trying to get the fuck off this planet. So <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that was the, the cause or the idea before and maybe it wasn't working out. So now they're like, all right, we need to just go underground. Yeah. 
I mean, it, you hear about it all the time and like Bill Gates buying up this farmland and like, I guess, I guess the queen owns a shit ton of land in like Colorado and close by to the Denver International Airport, which has some some wild shit associated with it too. But uh, I, this one in particular jumped out because it was Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook fame, Meta, all that, Instagram. They they did like one of those cutaway uh, like diagram, like infographics that show what he's got building, like that goes into the, it's like a silo and it goes down and it's like the sprawling thing. It's all self-sustained, like with water cisterns and like water reclamation. Like it's fucking, it's what you would imagine one of the richer people in the world if they wanted to fucking just pony up for something. And pretend to, to be a human. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's got all that in spades. And then someone leaked like um, <clears throat> a bunch of work that Joe Biden is having done at his uh, in like, I can't remember what county in Delaware. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think there's there's like four or five other names uh, that I didn't look into that are supposedly by winter 24 uh, have will have underground compounds coming online as well. I know it's people have latched onto that new movie on Netflix that just came out. I don't know if you've heard about with Julia Roberts, the uh, like, I think it's called leave the world behind. And it was executive yeah. produced by the Obamas. <laughs> kind of weird. Lot, there's some weird imagery going on and things are going well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it centers around like a cyber attack and like, there's like, just all kinds of I feel like it's in the past five years there's been a ton of different like apocalypse kind of scenario or like like batten down the hatches kind of kind of things there's even a movie called civil war coming out have you seen the trailer for this by alex garland it's an a24 film I, with jesse I, Plemons. Uh, no i don't i don't think so i feel like i would i would remember that i will say Dude, uh watch that trailer I was playing golf with so I got paired up with a guy playing golf a couple weeks ago and he works for a, a large utility company on the West Coast and uh we were talking and I think he's retired now but we were talking about uh I had just read this thing about these you know they'll bring in they'll bring in like a think tank of authors and strategists to be like uh if you were going to attack the United States what would be the method, you know, be creative, you know, people like a Tom Clancy or whatever before mm -hmm. he's dead now. But, uh, so these, these groups would get together and strategize what would, what, how they would take the country down. And this thing came out recently that the most probable and vulnerable avenue of attack would be going after the grid because everything we do is just completely dependent on that. And so I was asking him about it and he's like, oh yeah, uh, every, every day, we're we're getting countless amounts of uh, attempts blocked into our network or their network or whatever, and he's like they're coming from all over the world, all day, every day, and it just takes one you know person to get in there and just completely send us back to the Stone Age. So so that's cool. Fuck. <laughs> oh man. That's something I wish I could fucking neur neuralize myself right now for the past 35 seconds. Nur uh 
Yeah, that sucks, dude. That's scary. We need a we need a bunch more. We need to incentivize a ton of like white hats. Yeah. To fucking wreck shop. That's scary. That's like worse than asteroids. You think about like the chances of like the Earth getting struck, and we have like defense systems and like people monitoring it. If that were the case with like asteroids, we'd be done like instantly. If there was that much, and it, and for all this like cyber shit for just one to like get through and to really like cause some significant damage is fucking. I mean, it's just a matter of time then. Yeah. Because all the shit, all the interconnectivity and how reliant we are on the internet and all this shit, like, this is a very new, like, what, last 20 years? 30 years, maybe? Yeah. 35 years? Like, well, and it every, everything just gets more and more dependent on it, too. So, not great. Anyway, uh, this movie's cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. The Ghost Rider from 2010. What'd you think of this one? I liked it. Uh, I feel like. With caveats. Mm. Yeah. I just, I feel like it, I feel like it underperformed. It had, I I think it had the potential to be a lot better with just, just a couple little things really kind of just irked me. And I felt like it was unnecessary. The, the things that they did or didn't do that I think could have made it better. I think this, this is based on a book and without, knowing anything about the book, I would have to imagine it's better because I, I just think they didn't, they didn't really flush out everything that they could have. So I don't, I don't have a problem with them holding back the big reveal as long as they did in this one. Cause it, it takes you almost to the very end, mm-hmm. like the very, very end for them to be like, yeah, basically the final shot. <laughs> here's what's going on. I, I don't have any problem with that. My issue one of my issues was with how they reveal it. I thought it was kind of clunky. And then also w- with a good reveal, like a usual suspects type of movie, mm-hmm. when you rewatch it, there are breadcrumbs along the way where you're like, Oh, okay. I could see this. This makes sense. And this one, it's like, we just completely withheld all of the information yeah. until the very end. And I don't, I don't think they needed to do that. They could have just sprinkled in a couple little things or or keyed in on because I, I think there were a couple little ones where when we get the final reveal if he would have flashed back and picked up on little hints here and there to then yeah, come up with that would have been a nice recap yeah because the way he figures it out i thought was kind of cheap and just like yeah oh I did the, too. the files are in the computer you know <laughs> So I, I yeah. felt like that was kind of a wasted opportunity. I I liked a lot about it, uh, but then there was there was just one other part that I felt like was unnecessarily cornball, which we can we can get into in a bit. But uh, overall, I liked it. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like this this movie, you know, it's a thriller, mystery, whatever. I just felt like there was a weird kind of goofy undertone to it that i couldn't i don't know if it's like a british sensibility (laughs) or maybe like more european style dialogue or whatever but i just kept i kept sort of just like smirking throughout the entire thing like i wasn't i wasn't like engrossed like oh shit this is a a high octane thriller i was like this is almost like a borderline comedy i don't know if if you got that at all or if that's just me but 
this time I, I did pick out some more like adult, like, oh, that's witty kind of things. But I, f- I felt like they were pretty c- contained and they were just kind of like, it was mainly like some sexual tension kind of repartee that was going on that I thought was kind of cute, but it wasn't too cute. And I, I felt like they weren't trying to be too on the nose. I, I thought the, the humor, the little humor that's in it was pretty dry and okay. didn't yeah, feel maybe, too out of place. Maybe it was just me. This time watching it, I've only seen this two or three times, and I'm like fresh off of just watching this. I think the the tension and like the, uh, well, I guess maybe not tension, but like a sense of like foreboding, I guess. Uh, was present with me watching this. And this is another one of those films that it's got a lot of different people and a lot of different names. And it, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's not overly complex, but it, it kind of, it goes in circles uh, on a few things. And um, yeah, like you said, like the, re- the final reveal, there's really no hint at that unless I could see if someone was like, like in, in hindsight, thinking about it now, knowing that, I have the benefit of that, but looking at it, it's like, she wears the pants. It's like, she's very quick to like, and she even says, does, you know, does he always take your advice? Like, of course, if he wants to be right or whatever, or like or when it, he actually does the right thing, he listens to me. Right. You know, and, well, so and then she's like, infer. well, and then she's like, well, he has until recently. Like if he would have flashed back to that, like, okay, that's one little thing. And also when he, when he confronts, Pierce Brosnan, fuck's his character name, forget. Adam um, Lang. Adam Lang. When he confronts him on the plane, Lang's reaction is very much like, "Nah, that's not me," you know. So he that could yeah. have been another one. Like, yeah, I, I believed his reaction of like, "No way." Yeah, maybe like just like a glance or like a look back at um, what's her name, Ruth, like a knowing like maybe kind of semi-paranoid glance or something could have been in there. I could see it both ways, but I, <clears throat> well, assuming that assumes that Lang knew because he might've just been getting played the whole time. Yeah. There is that possibility too, that he's just complete fucking just like, I'm here to party. Like <laughs> I got into politics for girls and that's the truth. Like, <laughs> Because I think they infer too that he's fucking Kim Cattrall, oh, his yeah. Yeah. assistant. Um, I mean, it's pretty overt actually when she she uh, Ruth says something about why don't you just share a bag or yeah. whatever, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This is a very it's it's a very slow movie, and I think every time I've watched it, the first time I watched it on a fucking whim, and it was like the perfect for me, the perfect uh, conditions and environment to take in a nice slow burn and be pleasantly surprised by it. So I think it hit me just, just perfect. But even with that said, I, I feel like this is like kind of a, uh, it's definitely underseen, but I think it's, it's, it doesn't get enough respect because I, th- I think it is actually a really good flick. And this time watching it again, like, not like, not remembering all the little final details that culminate. And I was like, Oh yeah. So it, for me, it has a little bit of rewatchability cause I completely forgot like the reveal and everything. And cause it is, it's, it's, it's jam packed within like the last two, three minutes. 
you know, it just, and then yeah. you're done. it's <laughs> over. It's like, Whoa. Um, <clears throat> and I totally forgot like all the papers, like that's such a cool shot too. I've seen yeah. him and then he's out of the frame and then he's got the big stack and then all the fucking pieces of paper fucking going wild. And yeah, I really like that. But So do you um, want to do like a quick, quick synopsis and then we can get into some of the finer points sure yeah do you want to do you got something ready you want to hit us with or i have a synopsis up too um no you probably have a more succinct one okay um so basically so we start out this movie starts really weird too there's no opening credits and it's like it it feels like i was like did i fuck something up did i fast forward because it feels like a middle of a scene shot it's a really weird like you see a ferry and like you know cars offloading and so it's almost just you're just fly on the wall watching these events unfold and there's no like center point there's no um actors or any no one's acting it's just filming this ferry coming aboard um so we we meet up with ewan mcgregor who also is strangely not named at all he calls himself his ghost or the ghost, the ghost writer in various uh, incarnations, but no one ever asks his name or he doesn't offer his name. He doesn't have a business card and he is credited as the ghost, uh, but he's a ghost writer uh, by trade. I, I and- did see just real quick. I did see uh, a little piece of trivia. This is so dumb <clears throat> that Ewan, Ewan McGregor said that his character is never named in the movie, but in his head, his character's <laughs> His his character's name was Gordon McFarquhar. What? If that's the name, I can see why they left it out because that is awful. Yeah, it means you'll be a psychically attacked. Yeah, I don't like that name. I can definitely picture him as a Gordon, but yeah, whatever whatever gets you into that that headspace for for acting um <clears throat> so he he's got like his his publisher is an agent who's played uh in a in a weird role for uh joe bernthal uh from shane from walking dead fame uh been a bunch of other stuff punisher um fury uh fucking fury uh he's he's great in this so he comes to you mcgregor with a $250,000 job to write the memoir or to, to finish the unfinished memoirs of the former British prime minister, fictional Adam Lang played by Pierce Brosnan. <clears throat> uh, and Ewan McGregor is actually replacing uh, kind of ominously. He's replacing uh, uh, Adam Lang's previous uh, ghostwriter who died mysteriously in a drowning accident two weeks before um, trying to finish his memoirs. And then all at the same time, some, some shit's popping off uh, about war crimes centered at this Adam Lang, the for, former British PM. And he's got a lot of parallels <clears throat> to, and this is, this is all stuff I researched. So it's not coming from me, but cause I don't really know Dick all about Tony Blair. Although yeah. that he was pretty much in lockstep with Bush during yeah. the war on terror and getting into Iraq in 03 and dealings with defense contractors and such like that. But I guess he is, he's like an analog for Tony Blair and even his wife, Ruth, uh, and some of the other people in his, his inner circle <clears throat> and his history and the way, and I mean, you see like Hatherton 
was the standard for Halliburton uh, yeah. defense well, contractor. <laughs> Even the same fucking font and everything, like like graphic style, graphic design in the, style. And the woman who was playing the <clears throat> the really bad facsimile of Condoleezza Rice. Oh yeah, it was just even... like yes, we get it. You do not need to make it this obvious that <laughs> this is the the parallel you're going for. Colin Powell. Yeah, I also Colin thought it was funny the rice. the the egregious war crimes they're committing or uh, accusing him of is you know torturing four guys. It's like those are rookie numbers, dude. I mean, you got to pump. <laughs> if you if you think that is the worst that's going on. <clears throat> over there or over here oh boy you are in for a world of hurt yeah yeah um yeah so he's accused he's been accused of like waterboarding and um handing over uh some some uh accused terrorists that were that turned out to be actually just you know uk nationals that had that had like naturalized and everything. So he wrongly turned them over and they were sent to torture prisons. And so he, he's got some heat on him from the, the ICC, the international criminal court. Yeah. Um, this, and this was one of my favorite scenes where, uh, so he's in the U S now and they're having the conversation about, well, you can't go back to, England because they recognize the ICC or whatever. So they're having basically like an extradition conversation, which mm-hmm. is so funny because Polanski, the director, yeah. fam- famously fled to <laughs> France, which has a non extradition or doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States after drugging and R wording a 13 year old girl. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's, he he's well versed in this yeah. area in this area of the law. You want to bring in legal counsel for the scene? Now I got it. Yeah, it's like, no, I actually have it on this little uh laminated card I keep in my wallet at all times. Yeah, it's like what are the other countries? It's like Iran, Mozambique, North Korea. It's like, oh fuck. America it is. Um Yeah. Yeah, so he was he was uh, originally arrested for drugging and raping 13-year-old girl. And then he's like, yeah, he's like, I'll plead guilty to a lesser, lesser charge of unlawful sex with a minor. If you give me a probation only sentence, which Jesus Christ, the sweetest deal of all time. But this was the the 70s. But I guess I guess the night before the hearing, he got wind probably because the judge looked at it and was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not going to accept this. And so he's like, all yeah. right, I'm just going to go to France forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He still hasn't. I think he had a minor dust up in Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. Oh nine. But he was able to get out of that. But yeah, it sucks, man, because I actually, I, I like this movie and I wanted to talk about it. And I just said, fuck it because like morally, because I've even I found out some stuff later on that I mean it's just hearsay and you know speculation I think because I don't have sources and stuff but I <clears throat> I've later come to find out that um you know there's some unsubstantiated ups, ups, like report that one of the cops that was there at the night of the like Tate and LaBianca murders uh-huh. um he like 
kept it to his grave, like he took it to the grave or something. But he he said that, or like many years later, he he spilled that when they were there conducting the search and doing everything that he found like a duffel bag up in like the attic up in this weird like out of the way spot that had like homemade like tapes like old like real kind like before vh type vhs tapes and shit showing um sharon tate getting like passed around like raped uh and then like younger girls he says that were on the show the tape house Polanski owned that house, right? Is that right? Or I know there's some weird stuff about the housing because originally they went to some record executive's house because they because Charlie Manson wanted like a record deal, and like his the like the the impetus for that was, I think, or I thought was that he wanted to go braze this guy and or kill him because he fucking like turned his nose up at Charlie Manson because at the time Manson was like trying to get in with um one of the beach boys i can't yeah. remember which one there's a yeah. weird musical kind of angle going in there i think one of the houses was the wrong house they were just like not related to the, like like he had an old address or something for this record executive that basically told Manson yeah like you're, you're shit you're no good fuck off yes God, I wish I could remember because, man. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but either way, yeah, I've come to find that out later. And like, there's some more, there's potentially some even more nefarious stuff. And even by like the specter of that kind of, it's like, oh, fuck, man. If that's true, that sucks. But at any rate, uh, back to the Ghost Rider. Um, so you McGregor's tasked with with writing this, and then he's got this bomb of like these accusations going on, and then his publisher is like hitting him up, played weird, really weird bit part for Jim Belushi, yeah, in this popping up as like the his main publisher or whatever, and he's like, hey, can you get it done faster? And he's like, fuck all that like early days college year shit. And he's like, we need to focus on this like this. Uh, war on terror scandal and everything and he's like i'm giving you two weeks now instead of four and he's like fuck all right so this kind of sets him down a, a path of his research and he's like really trying to write this manuscript in earnest and he keeps kind of he turns into like a de facto like a pi like we're we're following like a it's got shades of like a film noir like a uh like a mercenary of sorts, like, like a white glove mercenary, you know, and he's just trying to get to the bottom of things and he starts learning. I mean, I'm sure it, like out of the gate, he was a bit uneasy knowing that he's taking over for the ghostwriter who just died two weeks ago. And it very quickly, it starts stacking up like, okay, now there's all this political intrigue, you know, what did this guy get into? Did he maybe find something out that has to do with this current, you know, the, the war crime stuff. And that's what got him off. So the deeper he goes, the, the wilder it gets. Um, and yeah, I like the way it's paced. I can see for a lot of people saying, being like, fuck, this is slow. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't mind the slow pace at all. It, it just all comes down to is the payoff worth the buildup. But yeah, so he gets to the island where Lang lives 
And, and this is in Mass. It's supposed to be like I think a stand-in for like Martha's Vineyard or yeah, Cape Cod or some island off of Massachusetts. Yeah, well, and the scenery was awesome. Um, I saw and because of Polanski, they were all all this is stand-ins. It's like Europe and German, different places in Europe and random spots in Germany that they tried to like do a a one for one for Massachusetts. Yeah, the, the the piece of trivia I saw, which I just love the way it's phrased. It says, largely because Roman Polanski could not set foot in the United States, filming took place in, <laughs> in Germany and Europe with locations uh, adapted to look like Massachusetts. Largely because? Only because. <laughs> Holy because. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he's, he's not staying at the compound. He's staying at a hotel when he runs into that. Definitely not CIA operative who's pretending to be the dad of a, a dead uh, veteran. Yeah. And then when everything starts popping off with the media attention, then they move him over to the house, which is when he goes into his predecessor's room, the <laughs> Mike Makara. And that's when he finds the envelope of the worst photoshopped pictures I've ever seen in my entire yeah, they're life. Pretty bad. They're pretty which is bad. sort of the jumping <laughs> off point for him, you know, diving down the the mystery. But that soldier's dad was for sure an assassin sent there just in case by the CIA, I think. Yeah, could be. I mean, it would explain him getting into the places he was able to get into, I feel like. Because um, he was very vocal at some of the petitions, and he had, like, a shit ton of signs, like, you killed my son. And I mean, who knows, though? I, I My first gut was like, yeah, he was just a radical fucking dude. But that wouldn't... It, it seems to fit better if it were all controlled, you know? Yeah, like I mean, would it, would it really surprise talk? you if they if they send no. somebody there because they see the situation is getting out of control, and it's tied to the U.S. and it could potentially it's a it's a potential risk to the U.S. as we come to find out that they're really just puppets, or really it was the wife that was the puppet the whole time. But oh, please, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, we don't have to go through everything else. I mean, yeah, that, so that it kind of spirals into like a a cat and mouse and like he's 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 figuring out slowly but surely and then at the end we find out you know you know the relations to the cia don't point back to the prime minister played by pierce brosnan as you would think but oh dun, dun, dun. Her, the, his wife actually knew the cia dude you know she was a when she was a fulbright scholar or whatever and that's when it dings for uh, our ghost and and it just wraps up real quick with his ostensibly being murdered by oh, car. Yeah. He's dead for sure. Um I, I did think it was hilarious his Google search of like <laughs> um what was the guy's name? Hatherton A terrorism like <laughs> Emmett plus CIA and there's yeah. some article like I think this guy's in the CIA and then yeah, he, like he, ding he, ding <laughs> Supposed whistleblower in 1971 said he was actually co-opted to work for the CIA. It's like, damn, you put in 0.4 seconds of research and you you got this major piece. Yeah, and, and, and the CIA definitely wouldn't take that down if it were true. Yeah. And yeah, the there was one 
the one scene that, that I think bugged me the most unnecessarily was when he gets in the car and the GPS routes him to the professor's house. Mm-hmm. It's like all all you would have had to do to make that a little more believable is him getting in the car like, huh, I wonder where Mike was going that night and looking through like the GPS history. Yeah. That's it. Just two seconds of like, yeah, I wonder where he was going instead of like, he's getting in the car and it's like, turn around. He's like, all right, I'm going to trust it. And just going like, yeah, why? that this time I noticed that too. And it did kind of irk me a little bit. Cause yeah, the way they play it's it, it's like, not necessary. Like, like it's like go right, and he's like, "No, the fucking the, the hotel's right here." And then he like has a conversation with the AI car, and he's like, "Well, okay, whatever, you're in control, Jesus, <laughs> yes, take the wheel," and goes for it. But yeah, like they, they could have cinched that up so much cleaner, if just adding another layer of his, you know, detective thing that his route that he's going. Like, oh yeah, where was he going last? Like, Bing would have taken three seconds to do that. Yeah, or or even just some corny line like, what have you been up to? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, All right, so let me ask you this. Uh, there was a piece of trivia I saw about it was filmed and rated as an R, blah, 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 but they went down to a PG-13, so they edited out some F-words. Did you notice any of those things the first time? This, the first time, no, not at all. This time, for sure, yes. At least two or three fucks, like hard fucks by Pierce Brosnan, that they just don't even do anything with the lips. They just dub right over. So I only noticed one where he's like, oh, sawed off. Or That's the one. Yeah. And That's it's where like, he's where his lawyer. He just said, fuck. Yeah, that's the one where there, it's a big open shot with when his lawyer comes in, and they're talking about the extradi- extradition shit. Yes, that's where he's like yelling at the TV, I think. Or yeah, you can see his his mouth movements really well. There's one that precedes that too, where he says "fucking," and I can't remember what they they replaced oh, it yes. something like "dawdling" or some shit, <laughs> some, some funky ass British in it. Um. Yeah, I saw in the trivia too. That was one people are like, "This isn't geographically accurate." Because when they go on the ferry, she's like, "Single, single ticket or return," and it's like one way round trip in the U.S. They're like, "Get out of here with that garbage!" It's like, God, <laughs> I didn't. Wow, that's what that's what that's the hill you're gonna die on. Okay, um, what kind of fucking answer is this, dude? <laughs> <laughs> That kind of reminds me in his inflection there gave me a little bit of Jim Brewer and the pizza, the pizza hut. Yes. Like, Dude, don't roll up on me. Don't be taking my pizza, laddie. <laughs> Why is this not a problem? Um I I also will say that I I was going into this a little fired up at the British already because I've been uh reading this book about Andrew Jackson during the war of 1812 and the the battle for new Orleans, really Mm -hmm. good book. Look it up. We're fucking pissed in this house at the British right now. So, (laughs) Oh really? Okay. 
Yeah, I don't. I can't remember. Shh, diddly fuck about the War of eighteen twelve. Is that where we got the Louisiana Purchase shortly thereafter, or was that later? Shortly before. Uh, it's it's when England came back and they wanted round two. And ah, yeah, it, it's a really good book. Check it out. Um, but yeah, that's when the British came back, burned down all of Washington D.C., and then they were trying to come around and take New Orleans because if they could. Con- if they could control the Mississippi river, they could control the westward expansion. And Andrew Jackson was just like not having that. And so he had to assemble old Hickory. Yeah. He had to assemble like Tennessee volunteers, Kentucky militia guys, uh, native Americans, Creoles, freed slaves, like Haitian dudes, fucking pirates who were, who were trading off the coast of New Orleans because it was such a lucrative market. So it's just That's like dope. this ragtag group of dudes who were just like, across this line, you will not. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, that sounds and awesome. Crumpet eating fucks. Dude, it is it is so much <laughs> it is so much more interesting than I thought. I didn't know really anything about the battle for yeah. Dude, that's wild. I I didn't even know we had a round two with the Brits. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because uh, New Orleans is a French colony originally, right? And Mm -hmm. then Florida was Spanish. And so the British had to come through, like, through Florida, through Alabama, into New Orleans. And so it's like the the Americans are kind of new to the South. So they have to, like, convince the... New Orleans, French, Creole, crazy mix of people down there. And then they had to go over to Florida and they're like, uh, can we have this fort here? No. All right. We're just going to go ahead and take that from you. And <laughs> yoink. Yeah. Super interesting. Cool story. Fuck the British, nice. even though I'm British. Swing away. Yes. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. That's awesome. Um, I had a quick question that I'm curious about. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but the wife of the prime minister, played by Olivia Williams, yes. who I, I I like a lot actually. She's I forgot she was in this, but I think most people will know her as the muse from uh, Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Max, I, think, the, I think most people would know her as the wife in Sixth Sense. Oh yeah, that's true. Damn, but here, I, a, I'm more. I get more of uh, of her from Rushmore, but that's a good call. She, I she do was too, personally because I fucking love that movie so much. I don't care. I I know. Hey, I know it's okay. People, you're you're in the trust tree. You you know you're we're at a proud Wes Anderson loving house here. Yeah, I heard his new one kind of sucked. I haven't seen it yet. I know yeah, he's I he's I haven't either. He's kind of hit or miss, but I mean Rushmore is undeniable for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, so okay. it's funny you bring that up because I was watching this with the misses, and the first I don't know half an hour it was bugging me because I couldn't place where I knew her from, and mm-hmm. if you'll just allow me a moment to ramble, yeah, please. It was do. driving me fucking nuts (laughs) and so and don't worry this all circles back together 
So the night before, we had eaten Chipotle, which I am normally against because the closest I've come to dying in the last five years is from eating Chipotle. (laughs) And so there was a Chipotle embargo in our home for the last two plus years. Oh, yeah. So because we had eaten Chipotle the night before, about 20 minutes into the movie, I had to run to the bathroom because my insides had turned to magma. And (laughs) I was either going to die on the toilet or in the front room. So I decided to do it in the bathroom. Did you wash your ass today? (laughs) So when I was in the bathroom, I was like, I may as well look up where I know this gal from. And so, yeah, it was like six cents. Um, Obviously, Rushmore, love it. Still stands up. The third thing was she played a role in Friends, which you and I both love. Yes. And I, and I don't think we've spoken since old Matthew Perry has died. Oh, no, we haven't. Fucking okay. total bummer, man. So she played like Joey's little fling love interest when uh, when Ross is going to get married to Emily in England. Uh-huh. Joey hooks up with one of the bridesmaids who's like, talk New York to me. You know, do you remember that part? Is, is that her? That's her. Damn. Okay, so here's where it comes together. My near-death experience happened in Chandler, Arizona. How how fun is that? Oh, man, I love it when a good story just comes together like that. Um, Yeah, those those two are related. Yeah, that's wild. I never would have picked her out. We actually just watched that episode, like, two or three nights ago so it's fresh that's crazy i know she's been in some other stuff but um she does a lot of artsy fartsy stuff i, can, I think but yeah she's i great. don't know i i've always like she, i don't want to say like sarah plain and tall she just seems kind of plain jane to me like i never like saw her and i was like whoa something about this movie like the way she is and the way she cozies up to you and mcgregor i was like fuck yeah i was like let's fuck like something i got something about her in this film like really turns me on um is it like a like a desperate housewife thing i do love the part where he goes into the bathroom and he's looking in the mirror and he's like this is a bad idea and then he comes out and then just (laughs) immediately strips down butt naked like well guess guess that's the end of that (laughs) i love that i i I love that you brought that up i made a specific note um about that part because I thought it was so fucking funny. Um yeah, like like she's cozying up. They've had a few to drink. Her husband's across the pond in London or wherever the fuck. And it's just them two and like the security guard in the in the compound. And he knows where this is going. He's like, oh I gotta run to the loo. And he looks himself, yeah, in the mirror and he's like, bad idea. And then it I love how it cuts to her now fully in the bed, like yeah. under covers, like, do you mind? <laughs> yeah, do you mind? And he's like, of course not. Just like instantly, like, <laughs> I love the editing, like, don't fucking do it, bad idea. Oh, of course not. And he's just like, right, he's like in there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he was down. Um, so my question relates to that. So I was thinking, Olivia Williams, by the way, whoo, Lord, that was my um, note. So my question is, do you think she fucks Ewan McGregor to throw him off as pure distraction? 
or lull him into a false sense of security before just going Black Widow uh, and having him clipped, or was she just looking for the high hard one? Um, okay, so this this might be one of the few things that might be cleared up by our rewatch because he kind of divulged before they fucked that he was onto the trail, right? Or was it after? It was before, right? I think it was before. It was enough to to where she could infer where he was going or like the so trail if, that he was down. Yeah, if it's before, then she's for sure just honeypotting him. If it's after, then maybe she's just like a lonely a gal who wanted the company of a robust young man. I mean, it had to have been it had to have been premeditated for sure. <laughs> I mean, and that could have been one of the things that they flash back to usual suspect style, where initially she just seemed like a lonely, desperate housewife, but he could have put things together where he's telling her that he's on to the scent and she's like, oh, why don't we just fuck and forget about it? You know? (laughs) Let them fuck. Well, yeah, and then, so at one point later, when he he gets on the ferry and then jumps off when he sees the guys are following him. I love that scene, by the way. Fucking awesome. Yeah, and she calls and she's like, oh, Adam, looking for you, he wants to talk to you. And then at some point she's like, did you tell him about us? Like, bitch, why the fuck would I tell him about this thing that that just seemed weird to me? Like that seemed maybe she was wondering, like, am I going to have to kill him too now? Like, (laughs) yeah, it it seemed it seemed like an unnatural thing to ask because, I mean, the dude, he's not going to. It just seemed weird. So that could that could have been another thing. That he flashed back to, like, that was weird. Maybe she was trying to... Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Influence me or something, but... Another part I I like related to that is, like, right after they fuck, they kind of have a little tiff, and then he likes... He's like, I'm staying at the hotel. You know, he's like, we shouldn't have done this. And when he's leaving, there's that one security guard downstairs, and he's like... The security guard's like, morning, sir. Finished for the night, have we? And (laughs) McGregor's like, fuck off. And he's got this big old shit-eating grin. Like I love, I love that line delivery. Finish yeah. for the night, happy. Like, <laughs> oh man, he's like you're a dead man. Just dick down the fucking PM, <laughs> like <laughs> PM's wife. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we go to Paul Emmett. I don't like. I normally like that actor who played Paul Emmett, but I didn't yeah. really, I didn't like him in this role. He's, he seemed very like, I don't know, like a little too effeminate, like a little too, like, uh, I don't know, something off about him, but it was kind of, there was some parts that were a little foreboding too. Like when he's like, yeah, you want to want to take this right. Or if you take the left, you'll go deeper into the woods and. No one may ever hear from you ever again. Like, yeah, I feel like this was things sprinkled in. Like, I feel like this was part where, because it's a long movie, it's kind of a slow burn. But at this point, it seemed like they tried to speed it up a little bit by like showing you, oh yeah, here's a picture of them together. Which, if he was trying to hide it, he wouldn't frame it in his house, and right. he wouldn't he wouldn't let him in. And 
the line about like, oh, if you go left, you might be lost forever. It just seemed really like, all right, we need to we need to kind of advance this a little bit faster. And mm-hmm. I mean, his whole his whole character, I thought, was like, uh, we're getting a little too overly complicated. I mean, it's kind of like what I said before. If this was a book, it would make a lot more sense because they mm-hmm. could really draw it out and 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 everything. But I don't know. It, it it wasn't my favorite character as well. And then when he shows back up at the party later, it's like, oh, oh, you see that? Like, this is, <laughs> I don't see this going down like this at all. Uh, and when they're um, talking the way like prisoners talk, where they're looking opposite directions, like on the yard, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You get a horse and live in the mountains someplace and don't bother anybody. Um, I did like, what about uh, when he gets in the, he leaves Paul Emmett's house and he gets in the car and he looks back and he sees that unmarked black sedan like yeah. way down stopped also. And it starts up as he starts up and the, the music kind of like sets the mood and like he starts accelerating. This guy's tailing him. I thought that was pretty tense. I like the way they played that out. Like trying to go for like a, a realistic feel like if it, it felt pretty like it didn't you know we don't jump into like jason Bourne antics he's not fucking like fist fighting like shaky cam and all this stuff you know i mean he's got yeah, one he guy doesn't do like a j turn and then go 90 in reverse yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> fucking three fast three furious and shit Massachusetts drift. Um, and I like, I really love that. I want to go back to that scene where he fucking pulls the fucking gypsy switch or the Louisiana switch on this dude. Like, so he goes up, he pays for the ferry. It's like the last ferry um, out to the island. So Martha's Vineyard or whatever. And um, he gets the car on it and then he doubles, doubles back hops over this or he yeah he doubles back by going through part of the ferry like the little dining car like part of it Uh and like doubles back comes over jumps over the fence so he's pulled the switch so his tail his car and the tail himself is on the ferry and doesn't get wise until the 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 ferry just pushes off the water and then ewan mcgregor's back on dry land and um So he's in Massachusetts proper, I guess. I love that, like, because it's it's real tense. You know, he's not super sleek. He's, like, tripping over shit and, like, fucking barely able to scale, like, this chain link fence and stuff. It felt like, you know, like an everyman kind of, like, in this situation. I mean, yeah. most people probably wouldn't have that wherewithal or, like, would have been able to get away that clean. But um, oh, it's very tense. I would have tried to I hide a lot, which probably wouldn't have he, been the smart thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say I would have had the 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 clever uh thought to like double back or the presence of mind to like he had to do it like boom boom like if I'm yeah. going to do this I have to do it right now. Um yeah, I'd like to think I would, but I don't I don't think so. Um What did you score on your marksmanship evaluation? 70. <laughs> 40. <laughs> Yeah, I also probably wouldn't have stayed at the motel literally in the parking lot of the ferry. Right there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because what if this guy gets off like halfway and fucking decides to swim back or gets like a fucking lifeboat off the ferry or something? You know, or maybe just happen. picked up the telephone and was like, hey, this guy is without a vehicle. Um, he can only go yeah, so on far. Foot. Yeah. It was funny when, when Ruth called and she's like, they found Mike's BMW on the ferry again. so where do we go from here yeah then they then he does his internet sleuthing and like it kind of it really starts winding up at this point um before kind of downshifting slightly because you think like he's got everything's gonna turn out and then uh they get on a private oh no 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 i missed a bunch of shit here so after the double back, I also like how you get this feeling. I felt this way this time of being like boxed in. Like, so he's been working for Lang this whole time. He's finding out some nefarious shit. His predecessor might have been whacked by the same people he's writing this memoir for, or people connected to them. And then he gets so scared after being tailed that he fucking earlier in the film, he calls this dude Richard Reichert, who um, he just happened to find the number on from his predecessor's research. And he didn't call him back. <clears throat> well, and Riker's because the guy thought, who initially dropped the dime on Lang. Yes. He's like kind of the tip of the spear on like getting the ICC to formally investigate him for war crimes. So I guess at the, at the time he was just trying to play both sides or he was just trying to write this memoir and get paid quarter of a mil and, and get out. And then he, the deeper he gets, he's, unsure now about the Lang side so then he's scared he has really no options at this point staying at that shitty that fucking hotel on the <clears throat> at the port and so he he buckles down and calls Reichert who comes picks him up kind of you get some more exposition there like of why he did it and the connections uh, you get a little bit more um, but then Reichert's like well now you're working for me you know, and like, and then he gets the phone call mid discussion from Lang saying, Hey, where are you? He's like, we're, we're going to come pick you up. Meet me at the airport in my private jet, you know? And then he's like, fuck, like he's questioning, like, what does, what does Lang know that he knows now that he may have stumbled upon? Like, did Paul Emmett just give him a ring? Like he's in a pretty fucking tight spot here. So now he has really no choice, but to go along with Reichert. Yeah, as a source of security or safety, I kind of like that. This time watching, I felt I, f- I felt like in his shoes in this moment, like, oh fuck, dude, you're you, it's coming at you both ways here. Like, what do you do? You know? Did you get that kind of sense, like that he's yeah really pushed into he, a he corner here at the end, expose himself too much, but then you know, Reichert opens his jacket and he's like, I've been recording this whole thing, of course. So mm-hmm. if you don't do what I'm asking you to. I'm you're fucked either way. So yeah. Might as well stick with me, kid. Um, well, yeah, but then, then he gets on the plane and he immediately starts telling like everything he knows. Like, <laughs> well, and What's her name? Amelia. When he gets on the plane, he's like, Oh, I've never been on a private plane before. And she's like, well, hopefully it's not your last. <laughs> yeah. I like that too. <laughs> Just in case like his balls weren't close enough to the bandsaw. Yeah, dude. I like her and him. I found a little bit of humor, like like uh, like she's kind of catty towards him. Like, 
like she's like how are things going he's like oh i think it's going pretty good you know he's like he keeps calling me man like he like he's broing down with them and he's yeah. she's like oh he just calls that to people he forgets their names like just well, like yeah, a back he's, he's just trying kinda. to he's just trying to fuck her the entire time like oh i noticed oh, you yeah. were wearing the wedding ring yeah <laughs> Blimey. And he, he says something else too i wrote down he's like uh what's he say he's talking about like like the manuscript and how it always has to stay on site and he's asking questions about the flash drive she's oh, like am i gonna yeah. take you with you do you have anything on you or something he's like you can search me if you'd like you know like yeah. just dropping like little things like that and another one i like too is when he's hung over he gets he gets fucking knackered that one night and he wakes up and he looks like shit and she's like she's like oh my god are you ill and he's like no i'm aging this place is shangri-la in reverse <laughs> I like that that snappy comeback. Like he looked like dog shit. Like he needed a little hair of the dog to get through. Dude, I um, thought the uh, the thumb drive. I thought that would play a bigger a bigger role. Yeah, because they showed it a couple times, and then when he finally grabbed it and plugged it in, the whole compound went on lockdown, and then just never mentioned ever again. Well, they did explain that away, like that that it was like, oh, it's random security alert. We run once a week or whatever. Yeah, but I felt like they could have done more with that. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, they could have, like, made a copy. Or he's like, no, I got a copy here. If if something happens to me, it'll fucking auto-release, you know, to the London Times and, like, this place and this place, like, as a fail-safe yeah, or, or, or something. Yeah, like, they were testing him or... Oh yeah, like you try it shows here you like they, tried like they fucking, booby trapped him or something and right tried to fucking shanghai him <laughs> as dick dog would say um Gustafson straight as a grizzly's dick <clears throat> um, yeah so then he has a conversation uh, with lang on the plane and 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 this is where i was starting to not like figure anything out but Pierce Brosnan's character, I mean, I believed that he was like, I don't, you're talking to the wrong guy, you know, the way he's like, mm -hmm. you actually believe that? Um, and then he started screaming at him and yeah, I I bought that. I didn't think it was like a, like a guy who's trying to cover up, like, come on, what do you mean? I would never do yeah. that. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I totally bought, I was like, oh, okay, he's just a pawn, just like any other number of people in his cadre like he's not the he's not the tip of the spear he's not the the tip of the pyramid here yeah so then they land and then lang's like when we get back to the house we're gonna have a meeting shot through the head immediately by uh certainly not cia agent guy who's dead veteran's dad um, <laughs> Got your ass. <laughs> Got your ass. Uh, is there any part of you that thinks that they were trying to actually take out uh, Gordon Farquhar? Probably no, not. no. I didn't think that. I mean, because they took him out later. Yeah. I, mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Lang Lang has been controllable all along. Who's to say he wouldn't be? controllable still yeah i yeah but I then still... again he was never he was never never under such jeopardy 
That's why I think it was CIA. Like, he's a kite at this point, which I know you like that term. I do love that. In the wind. Cut him loose. I love that. Um, I don't know. I still feel like that that was just like rage-filled dad, like just a, a vengeance. Yeah. Like honor killing. <clears throat> but I could be wrong. No, you're probably right. I was just looking for something that probably wasn't there. I did find it kind of convenient or like, did they take him out? Like, like did <clears throat> would he have not been taken out if he didn't pass that note up to Ruth at the end? Like, I know it's you're the actual fucking puppet master, the the actual puppet here, and you were calling the shots. Well, in, okay, in I think we should back land. up a tiny bit because <clears throat> this is where we get to the really fucking stupid part where um the book gets published and then they have the release and so like a junket yeah god you love the phrases (laughs) so the ghost shows up to the book release with the original manuscript to give to amelia like here's a gift not exactly sure why and then she tells him he was he's playing the long con he was still trying to get still trying to fuck oh yeah all right that makes sense and she's like um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we we couldn't release it because it was a national security thing because of the beginnings, which is which proceeds to lead us into the the corniest. I think like the beginning, the beginnings, and then he the starts feverishly like beginning. Yeah. So then yeah, when you said <laughs> when when you mentioned that at the beginning of of the cast, I was like, ah, yeah, I did not like that. Also. Like how I did, I quickly and precipitous he's like, oh, of course, the first word from every first from every page. Of I just course. feel like they could have they could have done it less unbelievably. So yeah, then he goes through and he maps out the the first word of every chapter, which reveals the secret that it wasn't Lang; it was his wife, who was the CIA agent behind everything, and so then. For some reason, he decides to write all that down in a note and pass it to 157 people to pass up to her. (laughs) Meanwhile, he does not leave. He decides to stand there and drink some champagne, waiting for her to read it and be shocked and look at him. And he's like, I'm right here. But the reason why I think I did kind of like that toast, though, like just like got your ass. Yeah. She. I'm fine with yeah, that. Not a smart not not a smart move for him though. I mean, you could argue he knew he was dead either way. And, and, and that's I think, yeah, he's just them saying fucking sit on it. And I think the argument for that would be when she reads the note and she goes over to Emmett, like probably saying, We need to take this guy out. His posture is kind of like, Oh, don't worry about him. We've already we've already yeah. got that planned for this evening. Don't you know, don't worry about that. And then he goes outside, crosses the street. They don't show up, but he gets hit by a car and the pages go everywhere. I I like the ending. Didn't mind it at all. Yeah. Because if they didn't have that planned, it it would call into question even more. It's like, oh, wow, how convenient. You just happen to have one of your agents 
outside this venue in that same unmarked black car ready to four wheel him over. Well, and it, it is interesting because he wasn't invited. He was the plus one for Amelia. So oh, maybe they just oh. had the, the car hitman there in case. Maybe it was an opportunity like, or just like a, you know, a convenient coinky dink that they had someone there. Yeah. I was wondering if like they had someone outside and what she said to him right there created the call to the on hand hitman, or like you said, if they had they had that planned and it the way it it unfolded was just fortunate for them. Like, oh here he is. I'm a crime of opportunity. I'm gonna run him over. He's in the fucking street. Yeah. Shit I mean, like that too. It's like, why are you meandering in the middle of the fucking street? No one does that, especially yeah. in a big ass city. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was just like a little OCD gripe. It's like no one traipses around the middle of the fucking road. Like you couldn't have yeah. been more in the middle of the fucking road. <laughs> it was a suicide. Could I be wearing any more pants? Any more clothes? That's what he says. Is that what he's that is not the opposite of taking somebody's underwear. <laughs> Lunges. Maybe if I wasn't going to commando. <laughs> I did find a funny review. It's only funny because the guy's publication is bangitout.com. Wait, wait, wait. You, you kind of roboted out. What, what's the source? Bangitout.com. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. But, uh, <laughs> the review just says Boner alert! Yeah. Jordan Hiller at bangitout.com says I would not put the narrative conceit the ghostwriter perpetuates in its final moments past a doped up high school sophomore in screenwriting elective oh god Ouch. that's harsh bro yeah. no I, th- I thought it was way more clever than that it's that's so pretentious in the final moments is what he's saying <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? He's saying Pull I would not I would not put the narrative conceit the ghostwriter perpetuates in its final moments past a doped up high school sophomore in a screenwriting elective. He's saying like the final reveal is like corny. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's way more clever and well done than that. I think that's horseshit. I think it's pretty corny. Really? Yeah, the like the be- the beginnings. Oh, not the beginning. Well, yeah, 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 that. But like the actual payoff, like like she's like, oh, and he's like, yeah, and he, no, and then he gets I, murked. Like I liked that sequence. Like I I wasn't expecting it, and I I liked the uh, kind of like oh. I have to assume our friend Jordan Hiller over at BangItOut.com and their reputation for the utmost journalistic integrity. I think he's talking about the the reveal moment where he puts it all together. I think. Yeah. yeah, that I can I can agree on like was kind of hastily is kind of thrown together or it's just it's super convenient that he just happened to like figure all that out and it all lined up perfectly. I for sure feel like that's contrived, but beyond that point, like the way the film unfolds and finishes, I enjoyed um i had a there's a funny piece of trivia that i saw uh 
and I didn't I didn't go back and look, but it says the end title designer forgot to use punctuation when writing the end credits. This resulted in all assistants that worked on the film being listed as ass designer or ass painter, etc. Ass clown. <laughs> What do you think about that head fuck? Where does uh, where does Bad Santa rank on your list of holiday or Christmas movies? Christmas movies? Um, I'd say top ten. I okay. don't know if I would go yeah. so far as top five, but I'd definitely go top ten, maybe top fifteen, depending on the way the wind blows. But yeah, it's definitely a top tier. So I think there, I I really was like plumbing the depths for looking at that kind of stuff, or looking for that kind of stuff this year. And there's a lot, lot more. I mean, even even excluding like all your dime a dozen Hallmark and like you know bullshit Netflix, you know, slap together yeah. holiday, holiday for a visitor, or you know yeah, just shit count. like that. Those don't count. There's still tons of shit out there, but. Yeah. Scrooge is always going to be top tier. I feel like that one's pretty timeless for me. Um, any of the, I, I like the store, a Christmas, <clears throat> a Christmas Carol, just in general. Um, I I really like the George C. Scott version, but I like Michael Caine too with the Muppets. Um, oh my God, it's fucking awesome, man! It's great because dude, Caine brings it. The entire film, he does not fuck around. He doesn't act like he's acting with Muppets at all. But George C. Scott is pretty fucking godlike in uh, Christmas Carol. But I don't know. What's your top three or top five or a few hitters that you uh, really enjoy? That's tough. I've got to put. <clears throat> I've got to put. It's a Wonderful Life at the top. I do love that yep. movie a lot. Uh, a great movie. The black and white version is way better. The color one is fucking weird. I don't abide by that. I don't know if I've ever seen the the in color. It's it's weird. Don't do it. Huh. Um okay. God, Home Alone has gotta be up there. Yeah. Yep. Um It's tough. The Santa Claus has gotta be up there. I mean Christmas story has gotta be up there too. It, it it's tough. It'd be too tough to yeah, do like a top five or top ten. Yep. <clears throat> it would. I've never seen Christmas Vacation. I don't know if that upsets you. Eh, it doesn't upset me, but you should watch it. It's fuck. It's a great time, and it's it's it'd be even more f- fun probably at an older age. Never have seen it before because it'll. I'm sure it'll become a a yearly rotation for sure once you watch it. We got to bring we'll Deck on for that one. To the stable. Merry yeah. Christmas, shitters <laughs> full. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many iconic parts. Um, dude, the Santa Claus, we were just watching that one line that always escaped me, but this time fucking had me rolling was at the beginning when um, he's asking, like, where, where are you guys going? Like, because Charlie spends the night with him for Christmas uh-huh. or whatever. <clears throat> and she's like, all right, honey, we got to go. And he's like, oh, where are you guys off to? You know, and she's like, oh, we're going celebrating at Neil's. And then uh, <laughs> Tim Allen's like, it's like, oh yes, Christmas at the pound. Oh, like just like the way it rolls off his tongue. I was like, dude, that's hilarious. Oh fuck. 
Do you want to guess the IMDb rating of the Ghost Rider? I did not peek at it, but I would guess it's somewhere. Damn. This is one I could see people rating like a fucking 5.6 or like a well, 7.2. Just, just IMDb. We'll get to the Rotten Tomatoes in a moment. No, I, that's what I meant, IMDb. I meant I could see it being between like a 5.6 and like a 7.3. But I'll go, I'll say, I'll call this one a, I'll call this a 6.8. You said it before, 7.2. No way. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Okay, so with that knowledge in hand, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes critic and audience score is? I feel like these have to be dog shit. I'm going to go like a 44 audience and a 65 critic. Polanski, if you want to reconsider. So it's higher? Yeah. I'd maybe I'd maybe go. You've got to audi- consider the child rapist bump. <clears throat> um, I'll go sixty-five audience. Project eighty-six critic. So eighty-four with the critics, seventy with the people. Wow, pretty close. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, I feel like this is one for sure one of Polanski's lesser known films. And then in general, I feel like this just kind of got buried under a lot of stuff. No one ever really talks about it, but I'm sure that's some of the Polanski effect for sure, too. But yeah, it's a fun, clever story. Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's especially the way it hit me too was like, this is like a perfect, like maybe hungover or like semi hungover, just kind of being lazy. Like you just finished mowing the lawn and you're just like, I'm pooped. And you just poop out on the couch for like two hours and watch this is, is it'll either give you a really good nap or it'll just be a nice, nice, uh, relaxing watch. Yeah. Very good for a rainy day. Um, yeah, that too. The scenery is awesome, even though I think most of it is green screen, but yeah, love a good, I think all the shots good cold beach scene. Yeah. Yeah. All the, I think all the scenes within the compound were green screened and like that compound thing was just like a studio that they built, but some of the exteriors, I wonder where they shot some of the exterior stuff. Cause it, it looks, it looked like. I bought like Massachusetts beach or like an East coast beach with like those, uh, like that tall weird grass yeah, that sprouts up and the fucking those little fences everywhere. They're like teetering and like sprawling around everywhere that you kind of, those picturesque ocean vibes. I'm a big fan of that too. We both are of like a, a cloudy overcast coastline. Love a cold beach. Yep. Yeah, that's one thing I miss for sure about Northern California is being that close to that stuff. But it's pretty goddamn nippy at Lake Michigan, too, man. Oh, I bet. Uh, Cool. All right. Well, uh, that's been The Ghost Rider. Check it out. Definitely a, a deep cut underseen underrated gem but it is actually i'm i'm still shocked at how how highly rated that is um 
baseball. Next week, I don't know. I, th- I think we'll probably just play it mystery again. Um, but there are there are a couple that I'm really excited to talk about coming up. Um, one of which is called Under the Silver Lake, which was the follow up film of David Robert Mitchell, who was famously the director of It Follows. <clears throat> it's a very different film, if that means anything. Um, oh, so it's that's good. That's I'm looking. It's really good. I liked it a lot. It's it's kooky. It's it's a it's definitely a unique kind of a singular kind of film that I'm looking forward to talking about. Remember we were talking about Return to Paradise a while back. Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Vince Vaughn, yeah, Anne Heche. They're in like Malaysia or they're in some Southeast, maybe Singapore. And one of them gets fucking rang up on charges. And like they, there's like a thing they have to like go back. And if they're willing to like serve a little bit of time, they'll spare his life. That's the whole movie. Um, That's a really good one. Um, That's one on the horizon. Have you ever seen devil in a blue dress takes place in like the forties with Denzel, Don Cheadle, film noir. It's fucking, it's really good. It's along the lines of like LA, think like LA Confidential. I'm in. From 94, Denzel was like in his prime, prime time. Um, yeah, so we'll think about it. Um, next holiday one too, I was thinking about, I definitely want to do So I Married an Axe Murderer for a, a like a Valentine's special. Okay, yeah, be a fun I'm down. One. Um, so yeah, we'll see if we can get some, some special guests on uh upcoming for that. Um yeah. So we'll we'll see what we're watching next week. We'll find out you'll find out along with us. Um if you want to reach out to us, got any questions, comments, concerns, uh wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. You can hate email mail. us. Hate mail is welcomed. Uh, we also have uh, Instagram is at waxing the porpoise and X Twitter is at waxing the porp. Um, please uh, give us a review on on Apple, particularly uh, helps us out the most. If you haven't, uh, five star ratings are welcomed. Um, yeah, appreciate y'all. Uh, you got any final words, Steve Dog? Nope. Nope. Good to be back doing the pod. Word. Hell yeah. This this feels weird. Are you are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun though, isn't it? <laughs> Somebody put sugar in your casting. <laughs> Didn't I tell you to call me bigger? <laughs> Bye.